Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. The only goal scored in the NHL today so far belongs to the New York Islanders. They lead the Capitals 1-0 a minute and a half into the second period. Islanders up 3-1 in that best of seven. 8-30 tonight, Rogers place. It is the Stars against the Flames. Dallas up 3-2 in that series. Tomorrow, Flyers and Canadians. Gallagher is out for the series with a broken jaw. Niskanen, who broke the jaw for Philadelphia, will be suspended for one game. That's it. Thought he might get two, so he wouldn't be back in the series. Just one game for Niskanen, and uh, the Blues and the Canucks are tomorrow. And this is going to open up the endless debate about NHL discipline and suspensions and should it be different in the playoffs than the regular season and all that kind of stuff. And, of, of course, I'm happy to hear from you, 780-496-0063, to call or text. Blue Jays uh, won a couple more in a row. Up to 12 and 11 on the season. They swept a doubleheader from Philly in Buffalo, where the Jays are playing their home games 3 2 and then 9 8. They were down 7 0 in that 9 8 win. Oh, man. A lot of CFL talk on the show this week. Of course, the 2020 season will not happen. So we're, uh, well, we're analyzing what went wrong. I think we kind of know a few of the key points there. Randy Ambrosi touched on some stuff. He says he kind of regrets throwing out that $150 million number back in May, even though he explained that wasn't exactly what they were uh, asking for, but he felt that kind of hurt them a little bit. Uh, but he heard him say it. He's, uh, on Friday, he's still pretty optimistic they were going to get a season, and then it just fell apart with, uh, with the federal government. Uh, okay, I should clarify something here. You know, when it comes to the CFL guys and gals, we're, we're going to be talking about it off and on for, well, till they get back on the field. We're going to have a new name for our team here in Edmonton at some point. So there will be news and there will be speculation. So some nights you might turn on Inside Sports and you might hear me or somebody saying something about the CFL and it might sound completely wacky. So just remember, we're going to talk. I- I'm happy to hear anything that-, that you guys have to say because if you're listening, you, you probably care about sports in Edmonton and-, and want everything up and running. So along those lines, th- th- we've been talking about this NFL idea. It is just an idea and I think it's an extreme long shot. Len Rhodes threw it out there. I don't really think the NFL would be interested in owning the CFL or uh, having it as a development league or anything like that. Len Rhodes, who Len, Len Rhodes threw out a lot of ideas when he was on on Tuesday, and that's you know that's how Len that's who he is. He's he c- comes up with stuff. He tries to execute stuff. And he said he would be open to the CFL being a development league for the NFL. So there's a direct. Uh, correlation between the two leagues, a direct relationship, I guess. And that he said it would add some authenticity to the CFL, but he said for that to happen, the CFL in Len's mind would have to adopt the NFL rules. So goodbye, big end zones, goodbye, 110 yards, goodbye, the Rouge, goodbye, no yards, all that kind of stuff. Goodbye, three downs, most notably. 
the football is the same, by the way. Now it's it's a myth that the balls are different sizes. They used to be back when the uh, I think for most of the '80s. I think since probably the early '90s, I want to say the footballs have actually been the same size. But anyway, uh, so Jake texted about it. Um, he says, uh, I didn't hear Len say that the other night, but it's not a crazy idea. I would hate for the CFL to lose its identity, but if it keeps the league playing, then there could be something that could help everyone. And Al texts in, in all caps with six exclamation marks, and says, no four-down football. I don't think it's going to happen. And I asked Mark Cohan about it yesterday, and he said that's the, the CFL has an identity. It, it's, it's important to people, and the, the, he thinks it's going to stay with the same same rules and not go to the American rules. Norman Akambai says, yes, read all 14 listeners care. That's true. All 14 of you really care. And I appreciate it. It's, it, it, I almost feel, well, you guys can laugh at me. I mean, we, we're all just kind of sharing here. The, the ideas I would have for the CFL would never work and would never be accepted. And they'd probably cost the league money. I'm, I'm not a I'm not a business type person at all. I don't I don't really have that that type of a mind. I mean, I can you know pay my mortgage and buy groceries and all that kind of stuff, but I'm not a business thinking type person. I'm sure some of you are, but I, I often just think about the game itself and what would make the the season um, better and the quality of play better. First of all. I would not play an 18 game regular season. And I know that's probably out the window right away because more games is more home dates and more chances to sell tickets and sell beer and hot dogs and merchandise in the stadium. So I'm saying this is something that would probably not make it past the uh, write it on the whiteboard, uh, the whiteboard phase. If I ever went to a league meeting or was in a focus group or something like that. And why would you invite me to a focus group? Hey, uh, you know, any uh, short middle-aged radio guys? Yeah, call them in. Anyway, so I I would play 16 games. Then if you want to move this, have a Grey Cup earlier, then you could still start the season at the same time and you just have two fewer weeks in the regular season and you'd play the Grey Cup in early November if they still want to go with that at some point. And look, I love the rivalries in the CFL, but I don't need to see teams more than home and away. I, I, I love an Edmonton-Calgary game. I love an Edmonton-Saskatchewan game. I love watching Saskatchewan and Winnipeg play each other. Um, you know, there's usually a good atmosphere in Hamilton for the games. But I, I don't need to see, a, you know, sometimes we have schedules where Edmonton and Calgary play August 10th and then on Labor Day. And then, like, I don't need three games in five weeks against the same opponent. So I, I'd go to a 16-game schedule. You play everybody twice. I don't know if Atlantic expansion is realistic now in the short term with everything. Just play everybody twice and then fewer games, two fewer games where people get injured. I mean, last year, almost every quarterback in the league got hurt. I think every, I think once Riley got hurt late in the season, it was all nine starters got hurt at some point. Now I know those were all in the first 16 weeks, but still fewer games, fewer chances to get injured, healthier players, better quality. And I, I am now of the mindset and I, I've changed my mind on this. And, and sometimes we, we do these things. Uh, I would, I would get rid of the pass interference challenge. And I, and I know that sometimes the CFL officiating is good. And when you, and when you get burned by an obvious bad call and you see everything in slow motion, I would get rid of the pass interference challenge because now there's a lot of zone defense and that takes away big plays. And when I was a kid, 
you know, a lot of people would say, you know what, the NFL has better football players, but the CFL has more action. And now the NFL has better football players, and a lot of times it has more action and more offense. The CFL, I never thought I would say this, the CFL needs more big plays. It needs more kick returns, and it needs more passes where guys go out and chuck it like Dunnigan used to. And they're not going to dink and dunk. And I think the zone defenses have prevented that. And I think if you get rid of the the pass interference challenge, there's more man-to-man, and there are more big plays. Those are some things that I think, and they probably won't happen. Like, I'm just telling this to you guys in the spirit of sharing and, and giving you my, my ideas. And maybe you're laughing to yourself and I, I like, that's fine. I just think we should throw things out there. And, I, and of course, I'm happy to hear from you folks too. We're going to take a quick timeout. Kelly Rudy's next. Two-nothing Islanders leading the Capitals. He joins us every week on Inside Sports throughout the hockey season, presented by Sentinel Storage. Shop Canadian, store Canadian. Head to sentinel.ca. Former NHL goaltender, now broadcaster, Kelly Rudy. Kelly, how are you doing? We're doing really well. I have a rare night off, and so I'm going to start watching some hockey here right away. Reed? Right on. Well, enjoy the games. They're they're really critical, obviously, at this time of year. Hey, before we dive into some playoff stuff, uh, man, so sad that Dale Howarchuk passed away. You guys were teammates on what I consider the greatest Canadian team of all time, 1987 Canada Cup team, and of course you would have uh, you would have gone head to head against Dale plenty of times in your career. Well, I was fortunate enough, uh, in fact, read the year before the '87 Canada Cup, uh, Dale and I were teammates. Uh, representing Canada in Moscow in the World Championships. So that was my first introduction to uh, Dale. And listen, we all knew he was an incredible hockey player, but when you play with a guy, uh, then you really, truly understand. Uh, Dale was an incredible two-way player. Um, You know, I think when it, when, uh, you know, drafted first overall, you know you're going to be a great player, but uh, the respect shown by Al Arbor towards Dale really, really said everything for me because Al raved about this guy uh, when we were playing against him when he was a part of the Winnipeg Jets. And so that tells you everything. If if a guy like Al Arbor or Scotty Bowman or people of that stature, or they're raving about you and your your complete game, you, you know you are the real deal. But I, I think when you go back to... Dale and uh, that uh, winning face-off in the 87 Canada Cup that led to the Lemieux goal. I I mean, and you probably heard the story that uh, uh, Wayne Gretzky was kind of surprised that uh, he, Mario, and and Dale were sent out there when we had face-off specialists like Mark Messi and Brent Sutter that uh, Al Ke- or Mike Keenan decided to throw those three on the ice instead. And, and uh, Dale uh, said to Wayne, uh, are you going to take the face off? And, and Wayne said no. And then uh, Dale went over to Mario and asked him if he's taking it. He said, no, it's on my wrong side. So he said to uh, Mario, he said, well, okay, just be ready to jump in there because I'm just going to tie up uh, Bikov, the uh, – the Soviet centerman, and uh, that's exactly what he did. I mean, he was uh, incredible, like I said, both ends of the ice, and there's no surprise that uh, Mike Keenan chose him to uh, throw out for that uh, ever-important defensive zone faceoff. But the story that uh, I remember so well about uh, Dale, 
we had a night off in Moscow, and there's, of course, nothing to do, right? I mean, uh, you can't really leave the hotel room. There's KGB everywhere, and I think there's a hotel around our tourist hotel that had a, a bar called the Heineken Bar. So I think we went over there, had a couple of beers, and we came back to the uh, so-called Players Lounge, which was just sort of like a meeting room in our hotel, and uh, Hockey Canada at the time had flown over a whole bunch of beers. So we're having a couple beers there. And then Brent Sutter, my roommate, and Dale and I were talking and trying to think of something to have some fun because, man, we're bored alive. And so uh, I can't remember if it was Brent or Dale, but they say something like, well, let's pick your favorite song and sing it. Of course, we had no music. And so that was a, you know, early rendition of karaoke. But And I was painfully shy, and I knew I had a horrible voice. And uh, Brent or Dale went first, and they weren't bad. And next guy goes, and I start singing <laughs> uh, Taking Care of Business by BTO. And I was so horrible. And they would want you to sing as much of the song as possible. God, we laughed. And, and I'll never forget how much uh, Dale and Brent laughed at me because I was so horrible. It was, uh, man, good memories. He's a good man. Yeah, great memories, Kelly. Kelly Rudy remembering Dale Howarchuk tonight on Inside Sports. Kelly, the playoffs roll along. I really want to get your take on this last night. I'm, I'm sure you would have talked about it on the TV broadcast that I'm watching with, with the sound down, the Habs and the Flyers. Carter Hart, excellent young goaltender from Sherwood Park, pulled from the game but then put back in once the goal that beat him was disallowed because of an offside review. What did you think of how that broke down, getting pulled and then being told to go back in? Okay, so... Uh, my memory isn't as good as I wish it was, but uh, I did a game similar to this uh, about four or five years ago. I can't remember the two teams, but uh, the goalie might have let in, I think, the same number of goals. It would have been his fourth goal, and uh, the coach didn't like it, so he pulled him. But then the video coordinator radioed down to the coach to challenge for an offside. They did. The goal was uh, taken back. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, my gosh, what's the coach going to do? Is he going to put the guy back in or is he going to pull him? Or, you know, he's still only given up three goals. But the coach did, in fact, pull the guy. And I thought, okay, that, that is the right thing to do because you've already sent a message, right? You've already said you don't like the guy's game or for whatever reason you're pulling him. And I would, would have found it really difficult last night for Carter Hart to go back in. Now, I guess there was a conversa conversation between the two of them, Vigneault and, and Hart, but I did say that that would have been very awkward because, like I said, the coach set just minutes ago didn't like my game, and so he's yanked me. Now, all of a sudden, I'm good enough to stay in just because there was an offside previous. So uh, he did an okay job, Hart, but I thought, in fact, Reed, about... Uh, two minutes before that, there were signs that he was becoming a little bit uh, overwhelmed with the game. And so, um, yeah, I, I think I would have uh, yanked him and put the veteran Brian Elliott in, but just a really weird uh, circumstance. And I am sometimes surprised we don't see it a little bit more often. Well, that series has has been pretty entertaining to me, even though there haven't been a lot of goals in, in most of the games. But the, the animosity is really starting to pick up. I wonder if that benefits... Montreal, if they can distract the Flyers a little bit, but but now the Canadians without uh, without Brendan Gallagher, but that that is getting to be a bit of a nasty series. 
You mean the animosity between the teams or between some of the players and the coaches on their on their own team? And I, <laughs> I say that in jest. <laughs> but uh, you probably saw the uh, presser with Brendan Gallagher, the game in which he got benched. And uh, I, I thought that was fantastic. He, like Elliot said yesterday, he didn't pour gas in the fire, but he made it very, very clear. He was upset that uh, uh, Mueller had benched him uh, partway through the second and uh, for most of the third until the very end. But, um, you know, that, that's going to happen. That's playoff hockey. But, yeah, you're right. There's uh, plenty of animosity on the ice. And Kelly, thanks for uh, fitting us in today. Of course, uh, well, it'll be Dave Campbell and you next week. I'm off next week. But enjoy your evening here and enjoy the playoffs, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Reed. Enjoy your week off. All right, that is Kelly Rudy checking in tonight on Inside Sports. Still 2-0, uh, the Islanders leading Washington late in the second period. Uh, Beauvillier with both goals for the uh, Islanders and Tom Wilson with a questionable hit on him after his second goal. So we'll see if anything further comes out of that. Uh, Kelly was talking about Matt Niskanen, a one-game suspension for his cross-check on Brendan Gallagher of the Montreal Canadiens. So uh, no Niskanen tomorrow, but no Gallagher for the rest of the series. Really cool story, uh, Kelly Rudy telling about Dale Howarchuk and when they were in Russia for the World Hockey Championships in 1986, getting some beer sent over from Canada and doing some karaoke with no music. Well, I guess it's just a cappella. It's like Andy from The Office, just doing a little a cappella work. How about some golf? We'll go to the ranch. Well, you know what? I'm going to the ranch tomorrow morning for a round. Murray McCourt who's the executive golf pro there, will check in. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Inside Sports on Chet. Second period has just ended in Toronto and the Islanders lead the Capitals 2-0. If they win the game, they win the series in five. Kachuk once again will not play for the Flames. They face off in about an hour against the Dallas Stars. Dallas up three games to two. Niskanen from the Flyers, one game suspension for breaking Gallagher's jaw. And Gallagher's out the rest of the series for the Canadians. Blue Jays beat the Phillies 3-2 and 9-8 in a doubleheader in the second one. The Blue Jays were down 7-0 after half an inning and then got seven of their own in the sixth, and that's how they got the 9-8 victory. All right. Tomorrow morning, I'm doing something I enjoy, even though I'm terrible at it, as I've told you many times. I'm golfing, and I'm golfing at the ranch. And I'm pleased to welcome to the show the general manager and executive golf pro at the Ranch Golf and Country Club. It's our buddy, Murray McCourt. Hey, Murray, how's life? Thanks for coming on. Yeah, all good. How about you? 
I'm doing okay. Uh, well, a lot of CFL talk this week, as I'm sure you can imagine. So uh, that's a tough story, but I'm happy to talk golf with you and, and have you on the show. Uh, man, it's it's been uh, incredibly hot at times. Of course, we've had the rains and the storms, but I understand the course is getting through it all just fine. Yeah, absolutely. The course uh, right from day one has been in ap- absolutely immaculate condition, and you, you'll see tomorrow it's uh, – it's something else how good uh, Derek Senko, our superintendent, and his team have the, the course in, in such fabulous shape. It, it's absolutely a, a treat to play. You know, and you know, even though it's my home course and I play there, uh, you know, regularly every single time I get out to play, I'm just so excited to play because it's it's just that good. I, what are the challenges of heat? And I ask that because I've often asked you and other, you know, golf pros and people who run courses about water and and drainage and all that kind of stuff. In Edmonton, it usually doesn't get, you know, 30, 33, like it has for extended periods of time this summer. But how how does a course handle those types of challenges? Yeah, so it is, uh, can be challenging for sure. And and for us, the ranch is a little more challenging than some. Uh, and I'll explain why, but uh, you know you need to keep watering it, or otherwise it'll just burn up, and the, the the greens will dry right out, and they'll firm up, and makes the greens a lot faster and firmer. But uh, which isn't necessarily always what you want. But uh, you know at the ranch we drain exceptionally well, so all those crazy rains that we had, the water just goes away, and uh, we, you know a lot of courses were closed because of rain or not allowing power carts and whatnot an issue for us whatsoever but on the opposite side of that is when we have these 30 degree days and and stretches of warm weather like that we can dry out a little quicker than other courses because we can pour all the water we want on the golf course but the water just goes away and and doesn't do what uh, we really need it to do so uh but so far so good it hasn't been that big a deal uh, like, like i said you'll see tomorrow the course is just amazing I, I, the first time you and I did a talk uh, this summer was the, a day or two before you open, and uh, man, you you were guys were completely ready to go and, and deal with uh, all the COVID adjustments. I, I was I was really impressed. Well, thanks for that. Yeah, you know, it's uh, just one of those things that uh, we were doing our homework and uh, and kind of had some thoughts and uh, and our ideas of when we might be able to open, and we wanted to be fully prepared and ready to to get going the second we could and maybe when it did happen i mean that one and a half days notice was a little uh, a little quicker than we expected but we had all of our plans in place and we we did it perfectly we did it uh, did it the way it was supposed to be done and we ended up uh, giving lots of tours to other golf courses to show them what we were doing and and talking to them on the phone and whatnot to give them you know tips and ideas to help them out to, to get them up and running and and doing it the way they needed to do it as well so it was worked out well has there been any um a, a, like i know we talked during the summer about the spacing out of tea times and and range use and things like that have, have, have anything's i mean I, I don't want to use the word loosening up because we're all still taking it seriously but i think you know you know what i mean yeah for sure i mean some of the protocols and rules have changed slightly but uh you know the range still uh, you know we're, we're directing people to go to the range when they're uh, um third out from the tee so they can have the range time pretty much to themselves and then they move from there when they're second up they move from there to the putting green and then they move from there to our starter who will give them the starter speech on everything that they need to do to get themselves safely around the golf course and deal with the beer cart and and uh, all of that type of thing and 
uh, you know, so it's it's worked out uh, pretty well. And, you know, there's a lot of things that have come from this that may stick forever and some that may go back to, to normal. But, uh, you know, you talk about the spacing of the tea times. One of the things that we did at the ranch, we started at 12-minute tea times, and we normally are 8 minutes and 9 minutes, 8 minutes and 9 minutes. And we've adjusted to 10 minutes, and we're probably going to stay there forever. Uh, you know, it's kind of an offset. We also followed the protocol properly that uh, was laid out that we're supposed to uh, have people pay in advance before they come to the golf course. So everyone's paying online before they come. Uh, and that makes some things easier uh, for us as well. But with that paying online, we're having less people. There aren't really no no-shows anymore because people have, have paid. So that is helping us on the revenue side. But by sticking at 10 minutes, that's, we, we save uh, you know three minutes every 20 minutes on the tee. So uh, nine minutes an hour, so over four hours, that's almost half an hour. So the pace of play is so good. A, a slow round at the ranch this year is four hours and 15 minutes. And so that experience in the, uh, for the golfer is just so much better, uh, ensuring that they have a, a faster round. And we're, we're probably just going to keep doing what we're doing that way forever. Uh, so the, the the guests have just such a great experience and, and better pace of play. And, and uh, it's just working out great. That, that's awesome that you, that, you, that you found that out. And they, you're right. I mean, that's... Uh everybody likes just that that pace right and also not feeling that the guy behind you is you know ready to hit and you're still putting so that that's really cool maria mccourt joining us the gm executive golf pro at the ranch golf and country club uh you got some pretty what, what is what is appy hour no you're you're going all punny with gene principe stuff here aren't you yeah. <laughs> well we have a unique loyalty app at the ranch where every dollar you spend at the ranch you earn points and you can redeem those points for uh, free merchandise at our pro shop, free golf, food and beverages, that type of thing. So it, it's an absolutely phenomenal program that's free to sign up for and all that. And so some of the perks of having uh, the app are some uh, preferred rates at certain times. We have something that we call a 30 for 30, so 30 days over the year. Uh, the uh, dates that we select at the beginning of the year, those that have the app get 30% off the green fee on those days. And we also have happy hour where if you have our app, it basically has replaced twilight at the, at the ranch. So if you have our loyalty app, you get a, a significantly better rate uh, after 3 p.m. on weekends and 4 p.m. on weekdays. And on weekdays, it's 44 bucks. On weekends, it's 54 bucks. That's as much golf as you can play before dark. Includes your power cart, driving range, and a $5 food voucher. So that value is absolutely phenomenal. That's good stuff for sure. Okay, I gotta, I gotta ask. I, I always try to throw you a golf question or two. So you know, you're a pro, so you you, you like helping people out, and the ranch is great for uh, all handicaps. You got a variety of tees. Um, you know, if you don't play a lot. Uh, you, you should feel like you, you're able to go out there, and obviously it's a good test for uh, for the better player as well. But one thing I dealt with, and I've improved at, but I, I still have to deal with, but I hear a lot of other people say, you know, when you're kind of may, maybe you golf once a week, maybe you're twice a week, you know, you're you're kind of a higher handicap player. And I've, I, I, I've set up myself, and other people will say it, I was doing fine, and then I had a bad hole, and I was done for the round. How does the everyday Joe or Jane uh, not let one or two bad holes, you know, ruin the entire back nine or something like that? Yeah, that's the, the mental side of golf. And a lot of people will tell you that the mental side of golf is uh, 
is more important and, and harder to get a handle on than the than the golf swing itself because it, it can be very tough and absolutely if you, if you can't uh, block out a, a bad shot or a bad hole and and put it behind you and just move on and focus on uh, on what's left and try to keep hitting the best shot you can every time you step up to hit the ball uh, it can snowball on you and get away on you but that, that's it, it's really really hard to do and not just golf in all aspects of life but if you're getting into uh, that situation where you hit a bad shot you just have to get, just forget about it and focus on the next shot and try to do the best you can on on, on your next one yeah that's what i've started to tell myself that, that like that hole's done just trust your swing relax and hit a good shot and some of them some of my most rewarding rounds haven't been my lowest scores but it's where I've had a couple of bad holes and then it got it under control. You know what I mean? Yeah, like no, those God, are absolutely. Yeah. Well, I, I played today. I had on, got off to a rough start and had uh, I was two over through through five and was getting a little irritated with myself. But I settled in <laughs> and got a couple birdies back and had her to under par by after the eleventh hole. So. You know, it's uh, it's just one of those things where you have to be able to just put the, those bad holes aside and a, a rough start, and the, the next hole can can be a birdie and bounce bounce you right back into the game. You just never know what can happen. All right. Speaking of uh, well, beyond bouncing back, winning, I got to ask you about this shot uh, from the PGA a couple of weeks ago. Colin Morikawa, I believe the official math on it was a 293-yard shot on the 16th to 7 feet for Eagle, which basically what a – like, that to me, that's an epic shot. And what struck me, Murray, was, like, the ball like the ball didn't bounce very far. Some, like, when those guys use their driver, their three-wood, they can get 30 or 40 yards worth of roll. That thing went in there not quite like a wedge, but certainly not, not like I would have expected a ball hit by a wood to behave. Well, the greens can be, are a lot softer than fairways generally, and so you can absolutely, uh, when when a ball hits onto a green, almost no matter what club, it, if the greens are soft enough, it'll stop and won't uh, roll very far. So that was probably a pretty significant factor in that as well. But you're right in that situation, having all that pressure on you, trying to win a major championship and step up and hit a drive like that. Oh, my goodness. And, you know, that guy's come from out of nowhere. Six months ago, nobody had hardly heard of who Colin Morikawa is. And and now he's a threat to win every single time he tees it up. So what a great story for him and you know that shot and, and and being able to handle that in that pressure he'll be able to look back on that in future times where he's in pressure packed situations and you know he'll be able to handle it well again in the future and you know he's going to be he's going to have a, himself a heck of a career i think yeah he's going to be fun to watch and we got what do we have the US Open uh in September and then the Masters in November this year. November, so yeah. A couple more how, majors how to come. Where is that, hey? Masters I know. in November. How interesting is it going to be to see what that golf course is like and how it plays in November instead of April? Oh, I, I'm, I'm fascinated to see how, how they're going to make it look because that's part of the thing, right? It always looks like springtime there with the flowers yeah. blooming. So I wonder if they're going to try to trick that up somehow. And, yeah, how is it going to play in in different weather conditions different i mean they'll have less daylight even than they would have in april like it's going to be yeah. so different 
It is, uh, but it's still going to be the Masters, and it's still Augusta, and so it's going to have us all on the edge of our seats for four days, uh, seeing how it plays itself out. Hey, uh, where do people find you online? Uh, www.theranchgolf.com. That's the, that's where you do it, and that's where you can book all your tee times. Right on. Well, hopefully I'll see you tomorrow morning, man. Thanks for checking in tonight. All right. Have a good night. That is Murray McCourt, GM, Executive Golf Pro at the Ranch Golf and Country Club. Love talking to him, playing that course tomorrow. Um, so you'll, I'm sure I'll have some tale from my what's sure to be a glorious round for Reed Wilkins. Uh, it's, it's, it's always fun to play, but I can't help myself. I have to keep score. 748, quick timeout, Inside Sports on Chet. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Good to have you tuning in tonight. Really appreciate you listening. This texture says, uh, talking about the mental side of golf, look at uh, David Duvall, the pothole bunker in the British Open. It destroyed his career for years. Yeah, I remember he had trouble. Uh, you're gonna, the texture's going to have to help me. Like, he did win the British Open, I, mean, I think in 01. But he was a, a great golfer and probably one of those players you can look back on and say, how did he not win more majors? But yeah, maybe that, uh, that bungle there hurt him for uh, years down the road afterwards. Roadhammer, the undisputed and only ever champion in the Sylvan Lake Alliance of Wrestling and current reigning champion, the Slaw, says, hey, Reed, if the rain keeps up, just remember the greens will be exceptionally slow tomorrow. You can give your putts a little extra oomph. Thank you, Roadhammer. I will remember that. I'm actually not a bad putter. Of all the things I'm terrible at at golf, uh, I'm, I'm I'm probably not a bad putter. Like I don't I don't make a lot of uh, long putts, but I, I I get a lot within gimme range. You know, within the kitchen sink. Probably the least uh, least of my worries when it comes to the game of, game of golf. Uh, Mark says, uh, former D-man Mark, 114th in Norris Trophy voting in 1984-85. Says, hi, Reed. I enjoyed your last segment. Have a great night. Oh, that's good. I enjoyed it as well. 780-496-0063 is how you can call or text. Third period is underway. Islanders lead the Capitals 2-0. They're only 22 seconds into the third period. Shots are 14-13 for the Caps. We'll see if uh, they can pull off a comeback like they did a couple days ago and keep their season alive. The Flames and the Stars will face off at 8.30. Kachuk once again out of the lineup for the Flames. And uh, Niskanen, a one-game suspension for the cross-check on uh, Gallagher. I see my buddy Bob Stoffer. And if you don't know who Bob is, uh, Bob hosts a show every day here on 6.30 Chet. It's from noon to 2. It's called Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. 
He has tweeted out, tough to understand suspensions in the NHL at times. The NHL's best player, Connor McDavid, got two games for a glancing shoulder check in 19. Matt Niskanen cross-checked Crosby in the face in 2017, no suspension. Niskanen cross-checks Gallagher, breaks his jaw. One game, says Bob. Uh, Well, look, the NHL says that uh, a head check, a body check to the head is a two-game suspension minimum. They were consistent with that with McDavid. The issue I have is, and we've talked about this with um, Rob Brown, who, who played in the league. I mean, I mean, John Shannon touched on. For some reason, the NHL is more tolerant of stick fouls. And to me, that that doesn't make a lot of sense. These guys have played with hockey sticks since they were four years old. They They know the damage a hockey stick can do. And if you're slashing at someone's shoulders or head or cross-checking them in the head, you know that can really injure somebody. And I'm not saying that body checks to the head aren't dangerous, but, you know, the McDavid play and a lot of other plays, players are trying to deliver a check. And they go in too high and they and they get punished. And, and fair enough. But they're not ne- the intent isn't necessarily there to do anything. If you're cross-checking somebody up high, you're thinking about doing some damage to, to some degree. So that, that's where, I mean, the McDavid suspension, we, we talked about it a lot uh, the, the year it happened. But okay, generally the, the, the NHL was consistent there. It's just the stick stuff I don't get. Norman Akambay says, what is gimme range? Uh, okay, Norman, if I putt from 20 feet and I get it six inches away from the hole I'm just gonna I'm not gonna bother putting out it's a gimme I take the stroke but to speed up the flow of play I'm not gonna you know or if if my buddy's standing next to the hole he's just gonna knock the ball back to me and say okay you know that putt was your fourth shot the gimme's the fifth you got a five so a gimme is a really short putt you don't bother putting out Uh, you just take the stroke and move on thanks to Dave Campbell the producer of the show Kellen Kennedy, your studio operator. My name's Reed. Talk to you tomorrow. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.